if you don't know where 2 John is, if you have your Bible, go to Maps and turn left and don't go far, all right? If you have it on a device, then you're cheating anyway, so just punch it in. You're good. Otherwise, you can just watch on the screens and I'll walk you through it. But either way, thanks for being here. The book of 2 John is just 13 verses. And this morning, we're going to stay in the first six verses. But in the first four verses, as I mentioned, John uses the word truth five times. Now, 2 John, it's important to recognize that this is a letter that John is writing to a lady, probably in Ephesus, but we don't know that for sure. But what's happening in her town is that John and others have already been there telling the story of Jesus and the fact that, that Jesus saves, like the song that we sang. And then there are some folks who have come around going door to door, and they're knocking on the doors, and they're telling people something other than the way of Jesus. Sound familiar? And so as they're doing that, she's like, what's going on? I, we need to know how to handle this. So she sends a letter to John that basically says, what do I do about this? So John teaches us something incredibly important on the front end of this problem. He teaches us in the first six verses, rather than just trying to address whatever the problem is, deal with yourself first. So in the first six verses, he starts talking about what you need to know inside, who you are and whose you are, before you start pointing figures and dealing with what everybody else's junk is. Are you with me? So let's just say that you, you're, you find it easy right now to say, well, you know, those people do this and that's wrong. Well, these people say that and that's wrong. Well, those people did that and that's wrong. And what John is pointing to us is before we start dealing with all those other folks, make sure you deal with your heart. So this letter that John writes is to this lady. And when he starts out this process, we have to keep in mind that they didn't have the New Testament like we do now. So the way that these people heard the story of Jesus was mouth to mouth. I mean, it was somebody sharing the story, telling the story. They go from town to town, prophets and preachers, as they would share the good news that Jesus saves. Well, so this has already happened. There's a flourishing church in Ephesus, and there's some people there that are spreading some bad news instead of the good news. And as that happens, apparently this has become a problem in the town. And this lady writes a letter to John, and he responds back to her with the concept that there's two words that we have to put in place within our lives that can allow us to deal with whatever life throws at us. And those two words are truth and love. Now, this is a critically important part of John's letter. Truth and love are something that happens simultaneously. See, watch this, because we don't really have truth and love apart from one another. Without truth, we don't really love, and without love, we don't have truth. So those two come together. It's a hand-in-glove experience. And John is saying to this lady, before you go deal with the charlatans or the people that are handing out bad information, make sure you know what you believe. Make sure you know what's on your heart. Make sure you know what's happening inside of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And so that's where we're at in 2 John, and it starts in verse 1. This letter is from John the elder. Now, that statement is a statement no different than saying, hey, uh, this is Chuck. I'm the pastor, right? So Chuck the pastor says with some authority that, hey, this is what the Lord's told me. And so John the elder saying, this is what the Lord's taught me. I want you to take this with authority. And he says, I'm writing to the chosen lady and to her children whom I love in the, and there it is, truth, as does everyone else who knows the, there it is again, truth, because the, there it is again, truth, 
lives in us and will be with us forever. Now watch these three words, grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, will continue to be with us who live in, there it is again, truth and love. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth, just as the Father commanded. I am writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. That beginning, by the way, is from the beginning when Jesus came. Love came to Bethlehem. Love lived a perfect, sinless life. Love gave his life willingly on the cross. Love was buried. Love rose from the dead. Love sits beside the right hand of the Father praying for you now. Love is the personhood of Jesus the Savior. And he's saying this, is, this love, this concept has been around from the time Jesus came and says, I'm writing to remind you of that. But then he goes down in verse 6 and he says, love means doing what God has commanded us and he has commanded us to love one another just as you have from the beginning. So as John sets the stage and he's telling this lady, this is what it's all about. He says in verse three, these three things are a result of truth and love living in your life. So like when Sugar Hill Church, when we say we're a Jesus is enough kind of church, we're the kind of church that says truly, when we get Jesus in the right priority of our life, we get all, all the rest of life correct. So you say, well, but Chuck, shouldn't you be preaching on uh, all kinds of things, abortion, gambling, whatever? And my thing is, I think we preach on that every week because if we just get Jesus right, we'll get all these other things right. But rather than focusing on those things, let's focus on the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus himself because that's the main thing. We get Jesus in the right priority in our life. What we have is truth and love living on our heart. Now watch this. John is specifically saying that this truth and this love is found in Christ himself. Remember, Jesus is the one that said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, not some truth, but the truth. So Jesus said of himself, and then John has witnessed it all along the way, that Jesus isn't a truth. Jesus is the singular truth. All truth begins in the presence of God. Now you say, well, wait a minute. If it starts in the presence of God, how does Jesus play into this? Now watch this. So there we were in our humanity, and all of us do what the Bible calls sin. Now that word's not just a church word. It literally means we just don't do what God wants us to, right? So when God gives us a free will, our free will chooses to or not to follow God's direction in our life. And you say, well, how do I know God's direction? Well, this is a cool thing. So God the Father, our creator, looked upon us and our humanity and knows that we don't choose to live his way. Now, he's not all ticked off at us. He's like, okay, well, I want to give them a way to get right with me. So he sends his son Jesus to be born in Bethlehem of a virgin, lives a sinless, perfect life, dies willingly and sheds his blood because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiving of sins. But then he raises from the dead, hangs around 40 days, brings peace to the disciples and heads off and sitting beside the right hand of God the Father in heaven right now, praying for you right now. So right now, Jesus, the son of the living God that God sent here in the presence of truth and love is now in heaven with God the Father. You say, well, how do I get the truth and love? Because when we trust Jesus as our savior, he gives us the third part of God, the spirit of God, 
and he dwells inside of us, inside of our heart, mind, and soul, and he is the very indwelling and presence of truth and love. Come on. How cool is that? Now watch this because verse 3 says when that happens, you get even more. It's like, it's like a Ginsu knife. You get more. And Jesus gives us then in the presence of the Spirit these three things, grace, mercy, and peace. All right, now I don't know about you, but man, I'm telling you, this world needs a dose of peace, doesn't it? And this, this world could use a dose of graciousness, could it not? This world could use a little mercy, could it not? But the scripture says it comes from God the Father because of Jesus the Son and continues with us in truth and love. So for the, this very fact that Jesus gives us the gift of the Spirit of God, so watch this. All three parts of the Godhead are functioning in our life to give us truth and love, and we receive it and act on it because he gives us grace, mercy, and peace. I don't know about you, but this past week, I needed some peace in my life. Got to get one amen. amen. We all need a little peace in our life. I mean, I had lunch with a young guy the other day, and he said, I'm just mad at everybody. I just want to hit somebody. And I thought, I'm going to back up just a little bit. But I think he summarized a lot of our life real well. It's like I just look at the world and I think it's just going back crazy. I just, I just I, where's their justice? And you know, at the end of the day, remember what I said a few weeks ago. God is not fair. If God were fair, he'd give us what we deserve. But God is just, so he gives us grace and mercy and peace. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Ephesus, where this lady probably was when she wrote to John. He said, there will no longer be, we will no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. When we act with grace, and mercy and peace, we act more like Christ because when we act more like Christ, we're living in truth and love. And when we act in truth, love, grace, mercy, and peace, we are functioning more like Christ, not like the church sees us live. Hello. But now that means you've got to surrender to truth and love. That means you've got to welcome truth and love. Because truth and love exists. So if you've given your heart to Christ already, you've said, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to receive your free gift of eternal life. I want you to live within me in the presence of your spirit. And I want to thank you. You died for me. You rose for me. And you're praying for me now. When you freely receive that gift, he gives you this Holy Spirit. When he gives you the Holy Spirit, let him reign on your heart in truth and in love. Because when you do, you get grace, mercy, and peace. If you're looking for a little peace in your life, you have one job. Move closer to Christ. You say, well, Chuck, you know, it's not as easy as you make it sound. I know but it's not as hard as you make you think. You say, well, how do I do that, Chuck? Well, it, if, if you need a guide after the service, go to the store, buy a copy of Power Routines and start off this simple. Today, I'm grateful for this. 
Right now, I'm going to read this piece of scripture that's going to function like a 24-hour time-release probiotic in your life and start doing what only the scripture can do. It's going to guide you in a little prayer. And every day when you build this into your life as a part of your routine, rather than just blowing off a, captain, a bowl of Captain Crunch and headed to the office, just go ahead and put a little bit of God in there and watch how fast you move toward Christ. And when that happens, you receive a degree of grace, a lot of mercy, and a ton of peace. But that's because you choose it. You see, that free will that God gave you, he's going to let you choose that, the balance of truth and love. John says in this writing that, remember, it is the truth. But that kind of truth and love, that kind of grace, mercy, and peace only comes from trust. And what I've learned about trust is that we don't fully trust somebody unless, unless we trust their character and their competency. It takes both. We have to trust the fact that they are who they say they are, they do what they're going to say they do, and we have to trust their competency that they know what they're doing. Like, if we have somebody who knows what they're doing, but we can't trust what they say, we don't fully trust them, even though they know what they're doing. But if we have somebody who has great character, but they don't know what they're doing, we still don't trust them. You see, we only trust when we fully trust in character and competency. Well, God the Father sending Jesus the Son to give us the Spirit of God, John says we get that forever. How long is forever? Forever is forever. So if we've got that, then we can trust in the one that created and is trust, the one who created and is love, and the one who has proven through his death, burial, and resurrection that this thing called grace, mercy, and peace is for the taking and free because you can't buy it, you can't earn it, and you can't be good enough to have it, but he freely offers that. But you see, that kind of trust I can't give to Jenny, Jenny can't give to me. You can't give to your spouse, your kids can't give it to you, I can't give it to you, and you can't give it to me. The one that gives it to us is the presence of Jesus himself. How do I know that? Because the Spirit of God lives within me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth within us. You say, well, Chuck, then why do I make so many dumb mistakes? because we have a free will. Well, how come God just doesn't reach down and thump me on the head? Well, sometimes he does. We just don't know it because he wrapped the brick in a pillow. Other times, the brick hits us squarely in the forehead and we have blood trickling down our face before we recognize it. Are you with me? That kind of trust can come from only the one who's faced the world that this, that this world offers. I mean, Jesus faced everything the, the worst of the world offers us. I mean, all the way to death that he didn't deserve, but willingly did it so that we could have truth and love delivered to us in the presence of grace and mercy and peace. You want to know why John's words are so important to us today? Because Jesus comes to you today and says, I've got truth and love that I'll bring you in the presence of my spirit. All you got to do is ask me in. But I'm not going to barge in. I want you to choose me. I want you to love me. I want you to experience all the grace, all the mercy, and all the peace. Now, you might say, Chuck, I've known Jesus for 20 years, and I'm not living in peace. Now, watch this. Are you ready? It is because you have been pushing the spirit of God down in your life so long that you can't even know it when he slaps you in the face and says, don't do that or do this. You say, well, Chuck, but that, you mean God lets me choose the degree to which I'm going to act on his spirit? You doggone right he does. 
And he's asking you to receive grace, something you don't deserve, mercy, something you cannot earn, and peace, the greatest commodity on the planet. I mean, he's saying grace, mercy, and peace for you. You get grace when you receive truth and love in the presence of Jesus. You get grace. Grace, this Hebrew word meaning from the word charis, literally meaning the state of kindness and favor towards someone, often with a focus on a benefit given to that person. I don't know about you, but I need a little favor, don't you? Come on, let me try that one more time. I need a little favor, don't you? Good Lord, I need a little favor, don't you? Doggone right you do, because you've been fighting with the world all week long. God says, I want to give you grace, and all you got to do is take it. It's found in truth and love. God, grace is what God does because he is gracious. I mean, come on, that is good. It's all about grace. But with grace, you get mercy. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. He said, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. (laughs) It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Mercy and grace are not separated. They, They happen at the same time. The mercy that God has for you allowed him to give you grace when you don't deserve it. I mean, the mercy of God allowed him to give me grace when I didn't deserve it. And because of his love, God, who is rich in mercy, saved us by his grace. God the Father showed mercy on us when he sacrificed his son, Jesus, on the cross to pay the price for our sins. The psalmist said in in Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Let's see, compassion is how God looked on us. That's my... That's my kids. I, I just hate they've made these poor choices. But I love them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share grace with them. And the Bible defines this mercy as beyond forgiveness. Mercy is what allows God to heal us. This is what God allows us and spares us. This is, this is when God shows up in times of distress and carries us. This mercy goes beyond forgiveness and he wants to work in your life nonstop. When we allow that to happen, we then experience peace. The single greatest commodity in the world is the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It is the harmony and the calmness of body, mind, and spirit trusting in the power and the grace of God. But clearly, y'all didn't hear that. That the peace of God transcends all understanding and it is the harmony and calmness of body, mind, and spirit trusting in the power and the grace of God. Do I have to prompt y'all every time? You're killing me. Philippians 4, 7 says this, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You say, Chuck, I got to have some peace in my life. Then run toward Jesus. I don't know how to run toward Jesus. Today I'm grateful for this. 
Lord, what does your word have for me to say? I want to ask you for wisdom today. And you've made a giant step toward Jesus. Listen to me, folks. This is good news for you. God the Father is inherently peaceful. He is so peace-filled, he gave you Jesus to deliver peace in the presence of the Spirit of God when you trust him. John goes on to state the best news as if it could get better and says grace, mercy, and peace come to you from God the Father. And by the way, it's there in the presence of truth and love. Do you desire to live in truth and love? Well, yeah, Chuck, we, we would all want that then it's one, two, three. It's, it's really this simple. Step one, I need to trust Jesus with my life. I need to do what preacher people say, surrender my heart to Christ. But it's, it's not like you're actually doing something. What you're, you're actually doing is Jesus. I know you died for me. I know you rose from the dead for me. I know you shed your blood for me. I know you're sitting beside God the Father praying for me. I don't really understand all that, but step into my life, forgive me, and become the boss of my life. And thank you for doing all that for me. You say, Chuck, but I mean that in my heart. Then tell God that right now. Just quietly heart. Just say that right now. Now, if you meant business with God right now, God meant business with you. You say, well, Chuck, I don't feel any different. I still feel like I'm sitting in Sugar Hill Church. Well, you know, I've never seen people float when they did that. I mean, God could do it, but I've never seen it. And I've seen a few televangelists promise you you will. All right? But they're crazy as a bat. All right? Because most of the time what God does is, see, I want to calm you down, not jack you up. Hello. Because what God typically does is delivers peace in our soul, not some kind of weird feeling. Jesus came to give you peace, my friend. Grace and mercy and peace. And why would you settle for anything less? Step one is let's make sure I've given my life to Christ. Step two, maybe you've already done that. But if you, if you want grace and mercy and peace, you've got to start making steps toward Jesus because he's given you a free will to choose that every single day. And if you choose an ego and syrup and a piece of bacon on your way out the door because you're running late instead of five minutes with Jesus, if you're wondering why I'm not living at peace, look in the mirror. Ouch. And then number three. If Jesus can consistently forgive you why can't you consistently live for him? Because you don't truly believe that peace is what comes because of his truth in life, which leads you back to number one. So my question is, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? John wraps up this sixth verse, and he says, love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another just as you've heard from the beginning. What was the beginning? Jesus came, born Messiah and King, lived sinless, perfect, shed his blood, died on the cross, raised from the dead, and now delivers truth and love for all those that would believe him. Let's pray. God, today, let us live as people without secrets. Let us live in truth and in love. God, let us recognize grace and mercy and experience peace. And I pray we would do that because we've trusted you, 
we're walking toward you and we consistently want to live in your grace, your mercy, and your peace. God, you've heard our prayer and we know you answer them. And so we pray all this in the matchless, the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Will you stand with us again as we continue in a moment of reflection on what has just been shared with us? continue to change us from the inside out as we seek you and as we lift up your name in this place. Worthy of 
every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
won't be shaking up. We'll build upon you.
even uh, more good to be able to sing truth with you today. That he's faithful and that he's good and that his love never fails. It always makes a way even when it seems like there's no way. That he doesn't leave us or forsake us. That he's worthy. So we, we want to just leave you today with... Um, Maybe just a, a rallying cry to, to walk out of these doors into whatever you're facing today or this week with the reminder that he is worthy, that he is holy, that he is the one who changes us from the inside out and then sends us out to be his hands and feet to the people that he places in our path and in our lives. I don't know about you, but there are moments where that's pretty tough. <laughs> about Monday morning at 9 a.m., it's hard to remember Sunday at 12, you know what I mean? but yet he walks with us. And he says some of the most profound words, Jesus says some of the most profound and hopeful words in all of scripture when he says to us, you're gonna face troubles in this life, but take heart for I've overcome this world in this life. And then he gives us one of the most hopeful statements in the entirety of scripture. And he says that I will walk with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And that's what we leave here today knowing. See, we're testifying to you of his goodness and this truth that Pastor Chuck has taught us today from the word of God, the songs that we've sung. We, we're testifying to you that he is good and he will walk with you this week as you head out of these doors and into whatever is next for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder Show me who you are and fill me with your heart And lead me in your love to those around me Holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in all
So Heavenly Father, today send us out with that assurance and that reminder in our spirit that you are with us. Would you lead us in your ways to share your love with those around us and remind us in our very core that you are with us always. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen. amen. And we can't wait to see you again soon. We hope you have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you next Sunday.